it's so clear that corporate culture is rooted in white culture. Period. Because if you think about it, if black culture ruled corporate worlds, it would be nothing to be getting your hair braided online because everyone... Girl, it'd be nothing to have somebody come in during lunch and get your hair braided. No, it would be... Because (laughs) our culture is literally not... But you will see people like, oh, yeah, I just ran and got a haircut real quick, like at lunch or whatever the case may be, because that's normal because their culture is so intertwined with corporate culture. Ours is not. cool cats and kittens (laughs) (laughs) welcome back to another episode of read the room podcast as always this is merv and this is embrya we hope you guys liked the last episode about toxic relationships yeah hope you learned something hope you got a red flag out of it hope you cut somebody off i'm just kidding (laughs) no honestly i hope you did cut somebody off that is being toxic because it it was a lot to it was a lot reading about it so it was a lot to you know digest it and then uh, regurgitate it back to y'all but today we are going to be talking about navigating the corporate space as a first generation black woman, yes. which we will can attest yes, to. Yes, yes. And I'm sure if you're not first gen, like I'm sure there's yeah, stuff that you can for sure. relate to just as a black person in the workspace. Period. But yes. So do you think everybody knows what first gen means? I'm pretty sure, right? Maybe, but do we need to Okay, we can talk about... Okay, so first generation means you're a first generation college student. Yeah, like your parents didn't go to college. Yeah. That's basically That's all what version That's what version is. And of course, y'all know what being a black woman is, so first generation <laughs> black woman, you know, experience in the corporate world, yeah. so... Because, okay, so the reason I think that we decided to go at this topic from first gen black woman is because I think that being a first generation student... Yeah. There's just certain experiences that are new to you that you experience on your own. And even though, like, my yeah. older sister went to college, but there's still so much, um, culturally, it's just it's very different. A lot. And then being black, it's just a lot. Right. So. And for me, it was difficult because only people in my college that went to, um, I said college, only people in my family that went to college were my three uncles. They're the only ones that had, like hold degrees. So I was the first woman, period, oh, in my family, you know, yeah. in my blood family that got a degree. So I was embarking on a whole new yeah. <laughs> it was just a lot. Even from the moment like, you know, looking into colleges, like what do I want to do? Where do I wanna go? All of that was a lot because no one really has done it. And yeah. then my uncles, they were all much older when they did yeah. it too. So the experience wasn't the same for them. And yeah. one of my uncles, he just don't be talking. So <laughs> I couldn't get nothing <laughs> that, out of him. That, the whole like doing the FAFSA for the first time, me and my mom, when I tell you we feuded, there was tears. There was, <laughs> it was such a traumatic experience doing FAFSA Every for the first time. Every single year though, we had to do it. Same thing. It's like, bro, why. we did this last year. What don't you get? I don't know why it was such a dramatic thing. Also, loans. Oh, my Needing God. Needing a co-signer for the loans. It's like, why would I? Like, I'm stressed. <laughs> <laughs> that was such. Thinking about it, I'm like, wow, that was a very traumatic time. Trying Super. to convince my, like, oh, I I need you yeah. to do this. 
if you don't, what I'm going to do, it, yeah. it was And then a lot stressful. of the nuances they don't even tell you. Even, like, with DePaul, like, living on campus is, like, you have to have the deposit. First of all, you have to have a deposit when you accept the, the um, acceptance letter. And then where you going to get that money from? Exactly. It's like a big old chunk of... The, the whole system is, like, we talk about every single thing else is not built for people no. like us. It's like, okay, you're accepted into the school. Now give me $5,000 tomorrow. Literally. And then it's like, uh, and GoFundMe wasn't around. <laughs> Otherwise, so, we all would have been like, like well, I just need $500 yeah, to secure like, my spot. At, this, at that point, it was like, okay, I'm 17, 18 years old. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. Where right. am I going to get this money? How am I going to, like, yeah. then all of a sudden, you go from high school, and now you're on the phone with financial aid, these grown people having these super serious conversations yes. about the debt you're about to get into. It was just, oh. It was It was just. It was a time. And, and, it, and it sucks being a first generation black, like you, like you mentioned, People in our family don't really do this type of thing. So being first generation is like you have no resources. You don't know. You don't even have your parents that guide you. The people who are supposed to walk you through life, they haven't gone through it. So So they can't. You're learning. You literally, I think about this all the time. Me and my mom were learning together how that process went. I'm like, it was a lot. It was. (laughs) No, I really do get those flashbacks. I'm so, I'm glad I made it out. (laughs) I'm glad I made it out, I'm y'all. I'm glad I made it through the FAFSA the first year because yeah. that was very... Was and every lot. year we had to reset the FAFSA because my mom didn't know what the heck I didn't you... know either. Yeah, then it's yeah, like, yeah. oh, how much do you make? And can you find that paperwork from two years? It was just yeah. a lot. Yeah. And then FAFSA really do be trying to skim. Bro, my mom makes enough to put a roof over her head. This doesn't mean she's going to be able to cover college. They're like... What are you saying? They're like, oh, so you went to school and you ate every day? She doesn't even need help. <laughs> she she can she can afford this. Literally. <laughs> like, literally that system needs to be refined because they really need to define what our parents' income actually goes to. Yes. A lot of our parents everything they make goes back into the household. Yeah. It's not like people are just have extra money to even do something as important as send people off to college. It's we can't really ration for that cuz but we barely making it as it is, you know? That's We're a, just getting they, by. They assume that you have a surplus of money. Yeah. And then they want it. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> They're like, oh, you got five extra dollars? Okay, could we have six? <laughs> like, bro, what? Yeah, so I, I would really be interested. Uh, I wonder if we could find someone one day that works for FastPlay, understands the process yeah. to come on this and really explain to us what their thought process is. Because to me, it is asinine. I agree. And could we actually also have them come and um, wipe out my loans? That's <laughs> because that's, that's apparently rude. word on the street is you know how like a lot of things were looted in the past few weeks. The reason why they couldn't target Sally Mae is even if you destroy the computer record, they got a, a whole backup. So either they, way, that they got thirsty, you. Paper, that thirsty, paper records. Yeah, they probably got <laughs> levels of encryption that's probably equivalent to what the the bunker that the president goes into. To make sure you pay them every single cent. That is insane to me. So, from a familial perspective, how was being a first generation like black student, black college woman like for you? Um, it was uh, unique. Mm-hmm. I think honestly, I could go back even before college and go to just my high school experience. I think that that was my first realization of like, whoa, they live different. 
Mm-hmm. Like this is not the same thing. It's like our found my foundation of knowledge is just different than people who had like parents who went to college yeah. or like other masters, you know. Right. It's just completely different, but we also have a level of um cultural understanding that mm-hmm. other people lack. But when we're in the classroom and they're talking about something, I'm like, I don't know what that is. Or like, <laughs> oh, how do you do X, Y, Z? Yep, don't know how to do that. How to... Because that was not my experience. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I say it was unique. How would you describe it? I would describe it the same way. I feel like also on top of being like a first generation black woman, student, whatever, I was also, I'm also a first generation immigrant. Oh, so you... So- <laughs> It's levels to this. <laughs> First of all, my parents understand the college process because it's it's hard. And then also the English portion of it because some of the language that they use around, especially with the loans and stuff like that, it is not English, simple English that an everyday not, person not could understand. So for me, even like throughout, throughout my whole childhood, they always, always push education. Yes. Which I'm okay. pretty sure you can oh, relate. That, that was honestly... I'm my parents' way out. To be okay, I was just gonna say that that was how <laughs> education was framed as yeah. like, okay, here's how you can like switch up yep. the trajectory of you know the family mm-hmm. and our legacy and all that stuff. It's like you, your ticket is your education, so use yeah. your smarts. Like I think about over time, there were things that I wanted to do that my dad was like. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I want to be a lovable. Like, I want to be a dancer on the bulls. He's like, mm. <laughs> you know, like anything that revolved around like my looks and didn't pay that much. He's mm-hmm. like, why would you do that if, if you're smart? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So then they always push education. And like you mentioned, even when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, bro, I'm not going to be a doctor. That's not in me. I don't like that type of stuff. I'm not yeah. going to be an engineer because no. So we, I wanted to go, first of all, I wanted to go to fashion school. Can we that, talk about, can we talk about didn't it? didn't happen. Did I want to be a dancer or no? <laughs> Did my parents also want me to be an engineer? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, that, I, I, I wonder if that's kind of like steeped in respectability politics. Tell me. Our parents wanting us to go through these like, you know, business person, doctor, lawyer, I think engineer. So. I think is. so. It it speaks to like your prestige as a black yeah. person. Like, oh, like I gave birth to an exceptional right <laughs> black like, person. Do you know my daughter, the lawyer? Yeah. Versus, do you know my daughter, the dancer? They probably not gonna tell them of dancer. <laughs> They're like, she figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. And then they also want you to make money. Yeah. It's like that's okay, the number one. That's. I think. But I wish they knew kind of... I feel like we all always knew, like, there's so many ways to make money, especially yeah. with us being, like, the Y2K generation, like, the computer generation, yeah. like, the online generation. There's always been money to be made outside of, like, the traditional realm, but they never saw that because that's not what they were exposed to. I feel like there are undoubtedly several ways to make money, yeah. but there are some that provide a clearer path. They're like, okay, if you just go to law school and do this, then you'll make money. Yeah. If you just go be a doctor. Mind you, my parents did not want me to be a lawyer, but that's a whole nother yeah. <laughs> discussion. Like, okay, same thing. Uh, if you hoop, you definitely go make money. If you Dude, go. Yeah. So I think that there's other ways like, oh, yeah, you could get rich off doing X, Y, and Z, but it might take you a long time. And it's not certain whether you will even make yeah. money. They want to know. <laughs> 
They you want a receipt. They, a guarantee. <laughs> yes. Yes. I invested into you. And now go make some money and bring it back. And I hate that. Because I feel like it robs us. Like you wanted to be an answer. I wanted to be the fashion girls. It didn't work out. And business school was a lot. We both. Oh, I was, we were both. I was depressed the whole time. I remember calling my mom sophomore year. I was like, bro, I want to drop out. And she's like, no, just quit your job. I need the money to survive. What did you talk? That's not what I said. Because yeah. she said she thought like working was, you know, adding too much. And I'm like, no, girl, school. Yeah. That's the problem. School was the extra thing. Like, right. it, that's how it always felt. I felt like, okay, I'm working several jobs. I'm dancing. Oh, right. yeah, I got to do school on the side. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We were definitely on the same page as that. It's funny. A couple months ago, my dad was like, you could dance now. I'm like, well, thank you. <laughs> like, <laughs> thank like, bro, I'm 26. <laughs> right, what I'm is like, he talking right, about? Like, I'm beyond the point where dance yeah. as a career is like super duper realistic. Right. But like, thank you for your support now. But it just kind of spoke to the concept of like, okay, go get your degree, yeah. get settled, make money, and then go and go pursue your, um, you know, artistic dreams on the side thereafter. Which... It's it's not necessarily wrong, but yeah. you you think about what their perspective is. It's different. There's people who whose parents are rich and they're like, "Go be an artist." <laughs> My daughter, she's studying art alongside what? the whatever right. in Europe, and she. But we could be those kinds of parents. I mean, that would That's be the goal. Parent. That's a parent that I want to be. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't want to force school on my kids if it's not for them. Yes. Because I will be pressed if I send my kid to college and he drops or it <laughs> fails out. Because that's not what yeah. they wanted to do. I'm yeah. not going to be that type yes. of parent. But we are going to have a plan. Now, if we don't have no plan, we're going to have to go to school. But there's going to, yeah. you know, there's, yeah. there's alternate methods to yeah. reaching success. And I yeah. wish our parents knew that. You know, And sometimes I'm kind of envious of, of kids people who, oh who have that type of support and that financial standing that they can like go off and do their thing and just really really be happy in what they're doing. For example, um, this girl, um, she's a shoe designer. Do you know Kendall Miles? No. Well, she, uh, I think she went to HF, but I I found out about her. Through, I might. I found just... out about her through Michael Lynch. Okay. Uh, but her parents might... like sent her off to Italy to learn how to make shoes. Oh my god! And then now she has like this bomb ass shoe line. I still want some boots. I, I'm planning on some boots. And they're like really good. They're featured in magazines. Rihanna wore her stuff. It's so just like, she that's what, that was her dream. That's what I wanted. I, okay. That, I would have loved to be in, in uh, somebody's like atelier in freaking Paris or something like that learning yeah. how to do all this stuff and then actually put that into you know, reality. I would have loved that. Yeah. But no, instead I was in a county one on one pressed <laughs> trying to get my B. I was so pressed in that class. But look at okay, then this brings us here. We have a podcast now. Yeah. Now that we're older and we have jobs, we're like, okay, well, I need to be creative. <laughs> yes. Like, let's start a podcast. It's yeah. funny that you mentioned the envy thing because I feel the exact same way. I remember there was I was a uh, I was talking to this dude in the past and his new chick was like, Ambria's jealous. She had told people I'm jealous, blah, blah, blah. And I literally told somebody, the only people I'm jealous of are dancers. <laughs> like, you are not doing nothing. You, uh, yeah. You're not dancing for Beyonce. So, baby, 
I'm not jealous of you. That. that would I would have loved. Like I wanted to go to a dance high school. Oh, I wanted yeah. to go be. And when I was in um, college in New York, I was considering a dance minor. But then I got to DePaul, and they didn't have a dance no. program. So it was just like, <sighs> right. But here we are. Hey, blessed, <laughs> highly favored, nonetheless. Right? It's it's working. Like now, we can turn back to that. Yeah. But it would have been nice to kind of to... be on that path. I feel like we're more uh, emotion driven than our parents. Mm-hmm. Even though I enjoy stability. Yeah. But I want to be doing the things that make I, you happy, make me happy and you want to do. Yeah. Yes, undoubtedly. Parents, they don't understand that because they just. No, like y'all got me. You got to make some money. We got to pay the yeah. bills. No, somebody had told me. Um, I was like, "Tell me about myself." And he was like, <laughs> "You um did everything that you were supposed to do. You checked off all the boxes, but you still don't feel like super fulfilled in yeah. every single thing." And don't get me wrong, I'd be happy, but like, there's so many more things that I want to do that now I have the opportunity to. So it's time <laughs> to start. But it, yeah. yeah, that's. I I am blessed to be in a position I am. Like you said, we can pursue these creative endeavors. I've always been the fashion girls, even though I didn't go to fashion school. Ever since 2015 when I launched my blog, it's you, always been my thing. Yeah. And then now I've got my business. So like, yeah. And I'm only afforded that opportunity because of the job that I work, which my degree afforded me the opportunity. Okay, see, so that's so. a... Let's bring it back. That's a great point. Who wants to... Like, we make money. <laughs> Like that's, we have, that's really the best way have, to put it. We have it. careers yeah. and we have flexibility. So yeah. it's like our parents weren't wrong in being like, hey, chase the bag and chase everything else secondarily. Yeah. But it would have been nice for them to be on both trains yeah. the entire time instead of waiting until you get to this point. But look, to each to each truly to each their own. Um, but yeah, here we are. Needless to say, being a first generation student, I I think it really shaped me to be super like responsible. Tell me, because because we, I had so much pressure on me. Oh, you know what I'm saying? I had okay. to, I had no choice but to succeed. Yeah, to finish school, to yeah. do whatever. You know, yeah. like you mentioned, I checked all the boxes. Besides my mom's superficial boxes of being married and having a kid, I checked every other <laughs> yeah, single yeah, yeah, box. Yeah. So now I'm just kind of at the point where I'm like living my life, trying to figure out where I want to take my career and things like that. Mm-hmm. So everything is now 100% in my control. Yes. Before it was in my parents, it literally would not sign the loan papers if I did not become a business major. Ooh. That was that was our <laughs> that was our That's background. Deep. And I actually I thank them for that because I was going to be a sociology major so, and I took one social guys and I was like no thank you See, okay, so they so were kind of on the right out. track <laughs> <laughs> they mean well and this is not any complaint about yeah. like my upbringing I was I'm grateful for my upbringing like Same. love my parents all of that is just you learn you have experiences and you learn I don't need no more you don't need you? no more no yeah that's like 22 minutes oh, okay we're good yeah you're right we definitely do have um experiences and yeah, I think it shaped us, for me at least, to be the woman that I am today. Undoubtedly. And I think that... As traumatic as the experience <laughs> was, I mean, we can harp on the fact that, you know, the emotional support just wasn't there and all the tra- trauma we go through. But in the end, I think it really shaped me to be the woman that I am today and to be as responsible and so in tune with always wanting to be better on an emotional and mental level. Yes. Because there was that lack, but then there was also that push to be good, to be yeah, great. Yeah. So I it's like a weird. 
as far as emotional, my parents were um, emotionally supportive. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking of like, but what was I doing? <laughs> like, I'm not that expressive, I think. So I don't know. I, I feel like yeah. emotionally support, like, that was, that was fine. But the push, the push to do and be yeah. and like succeed and all of that. Yeah. That was uh, <laughs> that was perfect. always there in the background. Yeah. This is the last point on my my past, but like I think for me also, it, cool harping on the fact that I was an immigrant, it was hard for my my parents to understand like the things that we do even in school, like extracurricular activities and things like that. They didn't understand that, yeah, because it wasn't part of like the core curriculum. Yeah. They're like, what are you doing? Even like when I was like. Girl, I was the president at the African American Club in my high school. My mom did not understand what I was doing. She's like, "What are you doing? Why? I was doing track. I was doing dance because you know you want to be a well-rounded yeah. student for when you apply for colleges, yeah. but they don't understand that no. because that's not what right. they ever experienced back home. Right. So at home, it's like grades, grades, grades. Me, I wanted to dance. I'm like, okay, I want to take another class and I want to <laughs> do this. My parents, growing up, and I think that they would admit this, they were not the most supportive of me dancing. Yeah. I wanted to start dancing since I was like. Three or four when I used to be in the circle yeah. with my cousins out yeah. dancing them. And they used to be like, she from the suburbs. Y'all let her out dance you. <laughs> I was maybe snapping. Okay. So from I always wanted to dance. But even at a young age, they were like, focus on school. Focus mm-hmm. on school. They didn't let me join dance until, I don't remember, I was like third grade. Yeah. Whereas other people are starting like kindergarten. They like one. Yeah. I'm dancing. like, I could have been even better if y'all had let me do that. But I also don't know what went on in the background. My mom was just telling me this yesterday. She was like, you have no idea how much we struggled. She was like, because we shielded you from that because we didn't want you to be, you know, like feel burdened by it or anything like that. So where when I'm young, like, dang, I want to dance. They could have been like, look, I don't even got it on me right now. Yeah, but I didn't know. So I'm just like, hello, (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready. Okay, so now that we've kind of gotten y'all more acquainted with our <laughs> childhoods and our like, background, yeah, <laughs> um, going back to like the the core of the topic is navigating the corporate space as a black woman. Oof. Oof. I know it's a lot. It's a lot. I, and you know what's interesting? I don't even think people, if you're not black, I don't even think you realize how much thought has to be put into literally every single thing that we do. Like, okay, say I'm going to go, I want to talk about Zoom. (laughs) 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 I harped on this. Okay, so we are in the work from home era Yeah, and people are doing Zoom, right? Okay, so it's like, okay, could you hop on a Zoom? Say I wanted to keep my hair in a bonnet that day. Yeah. Say I have a protective style. Say I have cornrows to the back in my hair right now. I can't, I can't hop on Zoom. But then, hey guys, put your cameras on. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my. God. So really, the work from home era, you have to get ready for work as if you were mm-hmm. going to go into the office. Who wants to do that? When I tell you, I was at home getting my hair braided. I had to pull my hair back into a ponytail where the braids at the bottom could not be seen because I couldn't be on, on Zoom, Zoom with my cousin doing my hair in the background. Yeah. That's considered unprofessional, exactly. which honestly is just multitasking. Okay, I 
Okay. Speaking to the concept of what's professional, it's so clear that corporate culture is rooted in white culture. Period. Because if you think about it, if black culture rules corporate worlds, it would be nothing to be getting your hair braided online because everyone. Girl, it'd be nothing to have somebody come in during lunch and get your hair braided. No, it would be because (laughs) our culture is literally not. But you will see people like, oh, yeah, I just ran and got a haircut real quick, like at lunch or whatever the case may be, because that's normal because their culture is so intertwined with corporate culture. Ours is not. Ours is the opposite of it. Anything that stands for blackness is seen. They're damn near opposites. Like, I can't be on Zoom in my hoops that I wear every day yeah. because that's seen as unprofessional. I, I, I wore hoops to my, whatchamacallit, one time. Or someone was talking about hoops being ghetto. And they didn't know I wore hoops. I'm just like. What? See, that's the thing. Like, what are you talking about? Not everybody is a stud girl. And hoops are that girl. Stop playing with me. <laughs> that's enough. Okay. Also, just thinking about uh the black perspective of even hoops. I've seen people with hoops at work. And I know that if I wear hoops at work, it's yeah. going to look different. People are going to look at me different. Yeah. They're not going to think twice about a white woman in hoops. They are just not. Exactly. But me, oh, you looking urban today or something. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> That's not... And even that, like talking on, on the topic of hair, I really got to be real selective with the hairstyles. I can, I've only done these braids in like straight back cornrows. And been okay. But one time I was like, ooh, should I get lemonade braids? I'm like, ooh, that might be a little bit too... (laughs) That might be a little bit too much. hair, oh my God. Hair is something that we have to think about so much. I remember telling someone, and I really, really like her a lot. I was like, I don't know um, how I... If I could wear my hair like this. I had worn it natural. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I just... And she's like... Oh, because it's humid on bar and you don't know if it'll last. I'm like, yeah, because it's humid on bar. But really, yeah. I'm saying, I didn't know if people were going to be accepting of this. Yeah. So I wore this hairstyle, came into my office, closed the door, tried not to see people all day. Like, we have to think about it. Also, when I got my offer on my job, so you work the summer as a law clerk or whatever, and they eventually give you an offer. Yeah. I had braids in my hair. My mom was like you should not have braids working at the job. Wait until you mm. get the offer. Then, then you get can get braids. your braids. It was such a moment. I got my offer with my braids in my head and I just felt oh, like, that's wow, good. This is, that's this good is symbolic. That you, that's good that you're able to do that because I have never went to an interview with braids. I have not. I haven't. It's still. either a straight hair or a slick back ponytail. Uh, uh, something respectable, something yeah. professional, something corporate. Yeah, I have yet to do it either. I feel like I wouldn't get the job, so I'm really not going to test the waters. But that's the thing. I feel like uh, we should start to. If you, if I'm trying to get a job at a place and you're not going to give me the job because you see me in some braids, this is not the place for me. Number I feel like one. perhaps we Number should start, one. if you have the wiggle room to do it, if you're yeah. not that pressed for it, if you're okay in your current job and you just want a little bit more money, press the boundaries because... I feel like especially now with all that's going on, places are starting to realize that their policies, their rules are super racist. So let's see if y'all are really about what y'all say you are. Yeah. Even in my current job, I think it took me like six to eight months to wear my natural hair to work. It was either I was in like box braids or I was in like my wigs that I wear and stuff like that. When I wore my natural hair, I was like, Ooh, and I only wore it like twice. I, <laughs> oh my I couldn't God. yeah. I just well, girl, no, I don't I don't have time for white people. It's like they don't say nothing, but you know. <laughs> you know like the stare it's uncomfortable and, uh, and I'm I'm already the only black girl 
over there so anyway. It, yeah. So if I get, if I come to work in a puff, is okay, y'all gonna know? Y'all know it's the only black girl at the building that got the puff. <laughs> you know. So even with stuff like that, I'm always like. My my old manager though though he moved to Austin but he was a really good manager like I would have we'd have one on ones and we'd just talk about stuff like oh like being called um, black versus African American uh-huh. and things like this yeah. we'd have real conversations and I think he was really trying to understand yeah I don't feel like that's across the board even when I got my hair straightened he was like oh I like the straight hair I was like thank you for noticing yeah it no, was like little yeah. small things yeah. like that that I don't. It's not across the board. And people hated his ass anyway. Really? Yeah. He no. was, all the other managers did not like him. But he was like a cool ass white boy. He yeah. still is. So, But, okay, I tell people this all the time. We know. We can tell when it's a white person yeah. who is with it and one who's not. Yeah. You don't even have to say anything. Like, you... You don't have to say anything specific. Like, yeah. I'm sure there's people who are wondering, like, oh, I wonder if she perceives me as racist. Um, Yeah. Or no, like I honestly, do all white people are racist until proven otherwise. Honey. <laughs> <laughs> How could you they, not be? Y'all had a four hundred year start. Oh, ooh, but look, there's just a certain tone. So yeah. I love when I encounter. Like there are people at my job who ask questions, and I like them. Yeah. There are some people, you can tell that they legitimately want to understand. Like, I can see, there. I'm thinking of this one man in particular. I can see him thinking when he wants to ask about it. And he's being so meticulous about how he asks because he doesn't want to offend me. And I love to teach him about it, okay? Yeah. That's different than the looks, than the off comments. Right. Like, that's two different vibes. Yeah. Have you had any off comments? Yeah, I don't know if I want to say it. <laughs> on here. <laughs> okay. Because I'm knowing you did. I'm going to go I'm trying to so a different gonna, department. So, so you're going to tell us. I don't know if they're going to mind it, but okay. <laughs> Wait, I think about that all. When I tell you, I think about that all the time. Like, okay, don't say anything. Because I, I, I haven't yes. told them nothing about it. only person I told it was that this one other black girl. Um, she's also a Sora that yeah. I get along with really well. But yeah. she works in Minnesota. Okay. I also and have I, have, I haven't girl. told anybody about my podcast. Yeah. Because I don't want them to go find it. The pe- Okay, the people who know about my podcast are the ones who have me on social media. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you have me on social media at that point, it's already like a sort of understanding. Yeah. But if any of y'all are, yeah. are around being like, guess who else? <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> oh, no. I, I'll tell you about the ones about the chicken. I'll do that one. That, oh, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I was going to do a different about, about my current job. But, you know, I'm okay, yeah, let's, I'm let's still working there. Yeah. So, at my first job out of college, I was working under um, this white woman. She was my she was my first manager. And we had, like, this competition at work, whatever. Me and a few other girls had one. So, we won a lunch date with her. So, we go out to lunch or whatever. We're at this um, restaurant. And I look at their menu, and they have, like, a chicken sandwich. So, I'm like, okay, cool. This is what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> and... I'm the type of girl, I like hot sauce. Not Tabasco sauce, hot sauce. And they always have like Tabasco ketchup and all this stuff like that, but they never have hot sauce out. So I I asked the waitress like, hey, do you guys have, have hot sauce? And my manager gonna say some, uh, she just said, she said one of two things. Oh, like, oh, I'm not surprised by that. Or of course she would. Because it happened a few years ago, so I'm not too, but I know she said one, one of, of the two. two. And I, in that moment, I couldn't say anything. It's five white girls against me. <laughs> then all of a sudden, you cussing people. Like, 
and I went out of job. It's a parody. So I just kind of, I just kind of like laughed it off and like. At that point, it's a skit. Got my hot sauce. Okay, it's difficult. Being being in those situations, <laughs> of course, mine I didn't have one that serious, but I remember starting a job and being like, "So, what are the good restaurants around here?" And somebody goes, "There's this really good place for fried chicken," <laughs> and I just tilt my head, and then she started to give me other suggestions. Or do you like? Yeah, give me other suggestions. <laughs> Motherfuckers don't even ask about your dietary restrictions. You right, could have been a whole be vegan. vegan. She said, was like, oh, fried chicken. Fried chicken sandwich, bro. I don't eat meat. Yeah. What if I don't eat meat? Every, every too, too many microaggressions for my liking. That's why I don't like W-O-R-K-I-N-G. Because <laughs> I don't want to say it out loud. Because <laughs> it just, it'd be too much. I don't, I don't, I had told this to one of the black managers. He had reached out to me, um, just to kind of have like have a conversation because he was going to talk to one of like the higher up executives about like diversity and everything yeah. like that. And he wanted to get like my, my account on, you know, being at the job. And I was like, I was hesitant, but then he was like, it's just going to stay between me and you. Okay. Like, like, okay. Well, cool. let me tell you, let that. me tell you what the hell I'm, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. stuff. But I was yeah. just like, I don't really feel comfortable. You know, I really, there are times where I try to kind of like assimilate and really be like one of them it yeah just, it doesn't work it doesn't come down it doesn't work because if i fuck up it's not going to be the same as anybody else fucking up oh, so i can't i can't my put gosh. myself in a position where i am fucking up or where there's something about me being said so all my relationships tend to be a bit distant yeah okay oh like my. i'll come out with them like once in a while they yeah. hang out with each other all the time yeah i can't do that because i don't want y'all knowing my business yeah. and i don't want my work life getting intertwined, intertwined with any personal life yeah, or anything like that. that All that stuff always ends up back in the office. Yeah. How do I know? Because they should be coming back to the office. Yeah. So I wouldn't want to put myself in a position as the only black girl in the company to anything to be said about me. It's already hard enough as it is. You have to protect yourself. Exactly. That's what's so crazy. Exactly. I had I was having a conversation with someone at my company and he explained to me, I said the same thing. I was like, I feel like I can't mess up. Like... If someone, if I were someone else or I look different or whatever, I feel like perhaps I might have more grace. And this could all be in my head. It could be imposter syndrome, but I just feel like I can't mess up. Like I cannot go wrong. And that's a terrible way to feel, but it's just natural. You're, it's not many of us. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I will say though about microaggressions, I think that, um, the experience with it is a little bit regional in ways like i think that some people in some regions are a little bit more woke than mm-hmm. other ones regardless it's microaggressions but probably probably more in chicago than say yeah a california that's super you know oh yeah but well that's just chicago is segregated chicago it's, it's is segregated by the train lines chicago is terrible it's so segregated Honestly, after those of all, you don't really see white people. And if you do see white people, they go to University of Chicago and they like live out in Chinatown or something like that. You're saying after Roosevelt? Yeah. Oh, after Roosevelt. Well, now they trying they're starting to gentrify and like Bronzeville and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like Hyde Park, but it's it's really super segregated. Yeah. I also remember another situation at work. I be minding my business, but my ears be open. <laughs> you know how like we have we have open concepts like set up at work or whatever. That's like the new thing. But this girl, she, yes, she's a white girl. She had made like this comment about Colin Kaepernick. What'd she say? Um, I think someone like had mentioned him and she was like, Yo, I don't like him. And I was like, 
okay, girl, then why don't you like? I didn't ask, but I'm like, <laughs> why don't you like? <laughs> right. But I know it's I'm, not to But like. I know her brand of mm-hmm. white girl. And I know mm-hmm. exactly why she doesn't like him. And one of my um my good friends that uh, was on a team with me, he actually he's a uh uh he's Latino. So, you know, we'd be yeah. kicking and stuff like that. So he had hit me up after, or we had, were just like talking about it. And he had mentioned, I was like, yeah, I heard, but yeah. I didn't say nothing, but just know that like, I peeved. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, I, you know, I get what you're saying. Even that something as simple as that is just like, I know exactly where you stand. So I'm good off you. You, yes, yes, yes. There's no question. She not going to be saying, I don't like Kaepernick because, um, he, painted his toenail <laughs> like she's not yeah, gonna be saying we she know don't why like you don't like there's him. only one there's reason only why one you reason. could dislike yeah. him so in the same way when people like trump or something why would you like him people are like oh because the uh financially no 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 we, we no got the same salary what the hell are you talking about <laughs> he looking out he not looking out for you <laughs> he like he's not looking out for nobody except for the people that's gonna keep putting money in his pocket and that's it so yeah some things are so symbolic yes that you don't have to say that no. you're racist but mm-hmm. your stance on certain things uh-huh. kinds of kind of tells me like i told you before i uh was in a conversation where someone was talking bad about the poor like oh the poor give like uh the government gives them money and we pay for that and blah 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 and it's like, oh, okay. Because race and socioeconomics in this country go hand in hand. Yep. They You cannot separate the two. Nope. So if you hate the poor, who do you hate? Let's talk about it. Like, but in the same way, I'm not about to be like, that's messed up. I'm like, oh, okay. I don't even need to say anything else right, in this conversation. I, I already know we don't even need saying. to. Yeah, we don't even yeah. need to have another conversation. And <laughs> it's crazy that we can't really say nothing because... They don't see nothing wrong in what they're saying, yeah. so they continue to spew that type yeah. of language around the office and stuff. It gets really, really uncomfortable. Yeah. And I'm not one to shy away from um, conversations about politics or anything like that, but when there might be retaliatory actions attached to it, something attached to my livelihood, I'm going to back down yeah. every single yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. But that goes back to the point we have to protect ourselves. Yeah. It's like... You want to be a justice warrior at every single moment, yeah. but sometimes you don't even really have the option. Yep. It's like either I go hard right now <laughs> and don't know uh where my next money gonna come from. Exactly. <laughs> or I be quiet and be like, Okay, cool, I don't rock with you and just know that in your heart. Yeah. And keep it moving. That's why I be going hard on, on Twitter, bro. That's like the only outlet <laughs> in this podcast. I don't even because I can't <laughs> I think this is a really cool thing where I spread my actual Twitter off of the, the thing. So if you search my name, you can't find it. You find my other Twitter. Oh. But it's very easy to find it. If you have two brains, yeah, if you have a you, brain, you, you, you can find Twitter. it. But if it's like someone looking at my name, they're not going to know that okay, I have okay. two Twitter. Thank God. So I can talk all the shit that I want. Yeah. But it don't even be shit about shit. It be shit that's real. Yeah. It's stuff that people don't want to hear. So I think that that's what's so interesting about, again, respectability and all of it. We could be speaking our truth, and that's offensive to some oh people. Oh, my god! Like we could be saying, we sit on here and be like, okay, let me be careful what I say. But in reality, what we're saying is our legitimate it's, experiences it's that true. we had. And we're like, okay, don't mention that because someone might be offended by the yeah. fact that they did me dirty. Yeah. Like, it's like, um, it's twisted. Manipulators. It's that's twisted. What, that's what they are. Yeah. Crazy. 
One of, one of the things that I hate about working in corporate spaces, though, is I can't talk how I talk on here mm-hmm. at, jo- at the job. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have nobody to talk to. <laughs> like, I talk to all <laughs> You don't know how many times I wanted to say nigga and stuff like that, but you can't say that type of stuff at no. work. Even when I want to use ebonics, like saying stuff like big old, I had to... <laughs> I have to, bring it. I have to really. Like, I, I can't say like big old whatever because they're gonna be like, "What are you saying?" I have to say big whatever the hell. I have to really just like. <laughs> I feel like I would say big old. Well, no, do I, I? Maybe I don't. I don't, I don't use ebonics at work. I use very simplified standard English at work. You know what? Do you also text your coworkers in code switch? Hell yeah. Because I like to you, I'll be like Y E A, and to yeah. them, I'll be like Y A. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, thank you, bro. Well, I don't talk like that. Yeah, that's crazy. We really like. I have a nice little, you know. I feel like the way I talk is cool. <laughs> at work it's not cool it's very <laughs> like standardized english cool. yeah i don't and know I don't it's, there's no personality attached to it i can't be myself at work that's what it comes down to i was just i can't to, be myself I was at work just going to say it's crazy the more we talk about it it's like the more obvious the disconnect is yeah. like you certain things i don't know certain things you can't express in work talk yeah so you just can't really say it like or my my gut reaction to something, I have to like okay, well you got to think about it. Let me stop, pause, reverse, yeah. add a word, take a, you know. Yeah. Wow. It's That's, um very what's the word? Uh, not, unnatural. Unnatural, suppressive, uh, oppressive. oppressive. But that's a say <laughs> say these corporate workspaces were really diverse. <laughs> And the girls wouldn't have to worry say, about that. Say there were black people. Yeah. In corporate America. Or even like low-key like people of other ethnicities and racial backgrounds. Because I remember at my first job, there was kind of like a good whatever mix or whatever. Yeah. I would speak to this guy. He was like of Arab descent. I, it would be cool because you know exactly like we we stay yeah. here to here. Yeah. But when it's like a whole bunch of white folks, we don't see nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like okay i've talked about my job before i feel like i'm blessed with a very good batch of white people yeah um in this current job but yeah just i've had other jobs <laughs> and i've had other experiences yeah. um, i remember when so, i worked at an all-black nonprofit organization was it comfortable family oh I Fam- family bro it was i mean it was like one of the best two years I'm thankful now because I still get to work with them on a freelance basis, but it's different. Yeah. Because like when I get off my job, before COVID hit, I would get off from work and I would go to their office. It's just like you at home. Aww. It's like you with your people. You get to relax. You know, at an office party, we had sharks, stuff uh, like that. But you know what's crazy? That other people have that experience in the space that we're in. That's oh just not. God. I think about Nadi all the time, how she works at Essence. It's like uh, 80% black. Yeah. That's like that is a dream. I would love to work in a majority black space that's also super professional. Yes, because I think sometimes you you get one of the. I was going to ask you about that. So, like for example, on Insecure, Molly, she was working at a white firm, and it was all like super X, Y, and Z. Then she went to the black firm, and there were uh, downfalls or whatever things that she didn't particularly like. And I think that that sometimes is a thing. Yeah, that's how nonprofit was. But it was cool. I had a blast, you know. Yeah. At the end of the day, we got work done. But it was not like how it is 
here at work. I work at work now with like white people. I feel like I have to walk on my my toes a lot. Yeah, and I don't like that. Even when I used to intern, I interned at mostly like white spaces. So yeah, it's not like. I've been dealing with this my whole life. So when I had that black ass experience, it's bro, like, it oh feels so it, it felt so good. And I wanted to work there full time, but the nonprofit had disbanded for a while. Now okay. like they're back and stuff. But then I'm already like in, another, in my job, yeah. and I'm like, you know, my my mindset is kind of different. So I say that I'll just say I want a mostly black um, office to work at. I have or very or even. That's too much to ask for. A diverse, <laughs> a diverse yeah. workforce. I think that would even like developing as professionals. I feel like it's really it, it stunts us when we have to work with non-diverse groups of people. Yeah, because it part of it is in our minds, but part of it is not. Yeah. It's like even even if like I said, I work with a group of people that I feel comfortable with. And I still be like, can I wear my hair like this? Should I wear my outfit like this? Can I say this certain thing? Like, it doesn't even matter that regardless, we're going to have to make those considerations. So to not have to make them would be great. I've never worked in all black anything, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I had worked at a nonprofit um, civil rights firm and the head was a black lady and I just felt warm. I didn't even see her that often, but it's like... I understand you. Yeah. You understand me. Yes. Even uh, if, like, it's just, it's the, it's the small thing. It is a small thing. Even, like, cracking jokes. I remember when I used to work at the nonprofit, there was this old lady, Miss Schaefer. Uh, she's the accountant. We just crack jokes and stuff like that. She's like, you know, a grandma to me, you know, very warm. She bought her rum cake. She put me on her hairstylist. Like, I'm Those, cracking jokes. She know how I joke. Yeah. You know, it's kind of, it's that camaraderie, that, that familial feel, you know. If I'm going to be with people 40 hours a week. Bro, that, you're, 40 hours a week. That's important. Uh, here's my proposal. If I, if I had to be with people 40, uh, so much, let's cut the shit. 20 hours a week and I'll be good. <laughs> and we ain't got to be But people worse. don't realize that's a lot. Your work is a huge portion yeah. of your life. Like if you have a career, you're spending so much time with these people. Yeah. But you know what? We're working from home now. So my coworkers are my mom and my dad. <laughs> and I'm having that like, ooh, camaraderie. Talk to somebody in the morning. Yes. <laughs> my mom had asked me the other day. She was watching the news. She comes into the little office that I made here. And she literally said, Brie, do you understand white people jokes? And I'm... (laughs) She was like, because I was watching TV and they were telling these jokes. And it was white people jokes. And I just figured, because you work with white people, maybe you understand their humor. Because I don't understand it. But if you think about it, she has not had many encounters with white people. And I was like, I feel like white lawyer jokes are probably a little bit better than... (laughs) just like regular but i don't know but that's a good point you make like from what you think is funny to what you think is enjoyable the music you like the bro everything is culturally just so different in our halloween costume we was a dodgeball (laughs) what cultural significance does that movie have in my life not none but that's a thing for them it's like that was it they, you know, chugging beers and stuff like that. I'm not a beer gal. I am also not a... I'm not a... Well, I drink a little bit more now. I'm a wine gal. Yeah. But, but it's like... It's very... The best way I can explain it, as I said, it's very frat boyish. Uh, That's what I think of corporate America. Okay. It's like yeah. a big old frat boy party. Yeah. 
And for some people, that's And I only went to two of those my whole entire college career, so that tells you everything you need to know. <laughs> you went to the white one? Yeah, girl. When I tell you, when I first got to Paul, we used to do in and everything. I don't think I ever went to Hawaii. Yeah, because one of my roommate's cousin was into that stuff. So we had... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we had... I'm lying. Oh, okay, when I was in school in New York, I went to one. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's not my... Uh-uh. It's not my space. Mm-mm, it's not my speed mm-mm, at mm-mm. all. Because like, when they talk about like their favorite bars, bro, we was at the clubs. We was not at the bars. Or we was at like house parties or stuff. Yeah. Like It was different. Or Bar Forza before it shut in Bar Bodega. But other than that, it wasn't even like a bar thing where you just like, we dressed up. Yeah. We partying. Y'all just like go hang, sit around and like drink beer. I think that music is a big yeah. uh, thing. Like, first, personally, I was the house party girl. So everybody knows that. Yeah. Like, I hated going to the club. But I think that um, people go to bars and you just hear people talking. That's it. For black people, when you go, when you step out, put on a dress and heels, you want to dance We're and enjoy partying. yourself with. It's yeah. not about, like, the alcohol is there and that's the aspect of it. But it's not like, okay, let me just go stand in a room quiet and just get drunk. That's weird. It's super weird. And they like that type but of But that's stuff. like, but that's, that's not my speed. <laughs> Mine either. That's not my speed at all. No. So it's just, it's just one bigger, big. It ain't no melting pot. I know that for damn sure. <laughs> I'm interested in seeing, like I keep on saying, what um, changes companies are going to start making now that they're realizing that there is no diversity, that the culture <laughs> is just white culture, that people don't feel welcome, don't feel apart, don't feel that family thing. I want to see how employers... The fact that companies are really like, yeah, we ain't got no black people. And they didn't feel compelled now. Bro, companies, we've been seeing companies be like, wait, black people exist? <laughs> wait. They're like, Band-A- the Band-Aid company. Oh, wait. Is people with darker skin than this? What? I didn't even know. Oh, all of a sudden, we can make it. Right. We've been around for 3,500 years. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> y'all are a little bit late, but whatever. Yeah, now there's like other companies that found the gap in, you know, the consumer yeah, they found- need and fulfilled it. That's, yeah. But they're just not as big as Band-Aid, though. Exactly. So Band-Aid has the, the market share. Yes. Hi. So it is, it's crazy. So to wrap it up. I guess what would we say are some of like our holy grails of for navigating the corporate space as a black woman, first generation or not? Hmm. So this would be like, what would I tell myself earlier in my career? Like, yeah, and even now, like people are like that are graduating high school, going into the space, or even people that are in it and just like not even know. Obviously, we're not going to have all the answers because we're all we're both still pretty new, but no. still, I okay. This might be some, um, how do I say, not bizarre, but uh, what's that word? What's the opposite of conservative? Democratic. Liberal or whatever. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think it might be liberal. I don't know. Whatever. This would be something that my mom wouldn't say. I My advice to younger me or to young black girls is to be yourself. Yeah. And the reason, because like we have talked about, like, oh, I think twice about my hair and my, and there's some things that you're just not going to do at work. Like yeah, in some ways you're just not going to act at work. Yeah. And we all know what those things are. Right. You're not going to have your um, rainbow lace front at the, at the job. We're not going right. to Right. We just simply are not. That's just a lot. Not a even, th- even if you see white people with colored hair, leave that shit to them. 
at the, right we're yeah, not we're yeah. not there we're not quite there yeah. yet but i will say like when it comes to braids or wearing your natural hair or things like that lean into that yes do that be that because at the end of the day you don't want to be somewhere that only accepts you if your hair is straight that or is if you have true. a sew-in wig or whatever like you want to know how people feel about you and the best way to determine that is to be your true self absolutely so that would be my advice don't listen to nobody telling you don't wear braids because you'll find a job that's fine with your braids and you and your braids will be yours i would say we already know that navigating is going to be hard so find one or two people that you can see being your allies and really thoroughly vet them too (laughs) find people that can be in your corner when it's time to like let's say work a promotion and need someone to kind of speak up on your behalf or even um provide a recommendation letter like find people that you can count on for that and a lot and a lot of times i think it's easiest to to obtain that by going through like erg groups if your company has it what is it erg groups like um like gays at whatever or lbgq at this job or if blacks in this company or company whatever yeah if yeah, your company has it yeah. do that but otherwise and also we all know this um but you just have to be really good at what you do that's bad advice, but no, it's true. But it's literally like you just... <laughs> That's so terrible that have, we have to do that. I know. You have to be good at what you do. And you... I don't want to say you can't make no mistakes because we we have to have... We're going to make mistakes and yeah. we need the room to live in there. But like be conscious of the moves that you make, but also make sure that you're really good at your job so you have something to stand on. Yeah. Because you're not afforded the same opportunities as your peers who just kind of come in and... Figure it out. Matriculate through the system because that's typically how it works for them. For us, it doesn't work like that. We have to prove ourselves. That's so sad. I know. You have to prove that you're like, oh, are you good enough to uh, work on this or there or that thing? Yeah, just be good at what you do so they can't speak speak about you in that, on that level. Yeah. Everybody makes mistakes, though. So like, if you mess up, don't be like, oh, my God, I'm terrible. No, no, but no. you just have to... This is the reality of how we live, though, in this world yeah. in general. Like, you have to be hyper-aware. Yep. Because uh, you're not the favorite. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, if we're being honest, we're just not the favorite here. Yeah, that's true. But on the other hand, I don't want to put too much pressure no. on people in society who already have no support. If you tend, if you end up not really excelling as much as you want to in your first, second, or maybe even third job, take that as a learning opportunity mm-hmm. to grow. Whether that's you know seeking other professional development, seeking a mentor. So when you are ready to kind of um, get your footing to go on to the next role, the next company, or even have a career change, you have that development aspect of yourself, and it's something that you can speak to. And a lot of people like to see growth in people. Period. Yeah. So if you've done the work. You know, so if, if, if it's something where you don't really excel at, try to do the work outside or even inside of the company, like find extra projects and things like that. I know it's yeah. a lot to bear, but <laughs> bro, this is how we got to go through this corporate is, America, this you is know, very it's sad. not, it's not really for us, but we're not going to allow them to keep us out of this space that we want to be in. If this is the route that you want to go and you wholeheartedly deserve to be there. You just have to be very aware of the politics and it is 100% it's politics. This was not supposed to be a sad talk. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Look, okay, don't, I would say don't take this as a like, wow, I can never mess up and I need to go no, and no. do the most. But if you're, if you're 
stuck between two choices and one requires a little bit more effort, do the one with a little bit more effort. If it's like, okay, do I turn this in on time and be up for like 30 more minutes tonight or turn it in late? Just just be be up up. for the 30 more minutes like and reward yourself in some other way after. But... Because you don't have room to be lazy, yeah. really, and, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, and you have to really, like, make connections, too. I think that's really helpful yeah. in the long term, especially if you're not particularly within a company. Make make connections. Yeah. For sure. And one last thing. I think that it's sad but true that we represent our entire community. Yeah. So, like, say you get a job and you're the first black woman that they've hired in the last 10 years. Regardless whether you acknowledge it or want to believe it, you represent your entire community. So if you go and do whatever, literally you, whatever you do, and then they see another black girl, they are going to project that onto her. Yeah. Whether they do it consciously or unconsciously. So it's more than just about you and your professional um, reputation. It's really about all of us. This is so sad. It is. So this sad. is like very, very sad. But it's the sad it's the reality. way. It's the way of this country. So we really have to. This might be uh, news to some people. Take them lemons and try our best to make some lemonade. Squeeze them hard. Squeeze them hard. Because they're not going to give us a what it's called like a lemon juice or thingy. They're gonna make a do with our hands. <laughs> all right. Anyways. But yeah, that's, that's what I would I would say. Be great. Um, if you mess up, it's not the end of the world. There's always new opportunities. Yes. Okay. I think I think they've had enough of us. Yeah. Yeah. We so, talked a lot. That was really off the cuff you. too. <laughs> Which is that was our experience. For some people, this might be news. So yeah. uh, tell a friend that it's not sweet out here for us. It's, it's not. But we you know we're we're working towards making it better for us the more look the more diverse places become the less we have to think super hard about our every single move the more room we have to be comfortable and we can feel like we can make mistakes but while it's not diverse and we represent everyone we just can't feel that way yep so hopefully eventually you get to there's power in numbers and one day they will not be able to ignore us and that is the goal so keep reaching high yes and thank y'all so much for listening y'all can find us on twitter and instagram at Read the room pie at gmail.com. You can also email us at. You want to say that? <laughs> no. <laughs> what? You said find us on Twitter at, at read the room gmail. Did I say that? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Let me start over. No, yeah. I, I'm going to start over because I'm going to cut that out. As always, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram at read the room pod. And then you can email us at read the room pod at gmail.com if you have any more questions or just want to discuss this any further please email us talk to us what she said on that note see y'all next week thank you bye